Psalm 137, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 137, verses 1 through 4. I, I, as you find it, I am grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be anywhere. Just a few months ago, I had, and I'm going to talk about this more in my uh, sermon, but I had a significant open heart surgery. And last year, I, I was told some very uh, disheartening, if I can play on the words, news with respect to my longevity. But the fact that I am not dead, that I'm standing here before you, means so much to me that God has brought me all the way back. And I have a, a renewed appreciation for the gospel of Jesus Christ and a renewed vigor, even in the weakened body, to preach and say a word for him. Psalm 137, 1 through 4 reads this way, King James Version, by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse 4 reads, How can we sing? the Lord's song in a strange land. I want to talk to you for the next couple of moments on what we've entitled, Don't Hang Up Your Harp. Don't hang up your harp. Let's pray. And now, God, our Father, we have gathered in this place for this weekend for one reason and one reason only, and that's to bask in your presence. We want it to be said of us as it was said of Moses when he came uh, down from the mountain and the glory of the Lord was so upon him that they had to shield their eyes. We want people to see that glory upon us because we just want to spend some time with you this weekend. So I'm asking in the name of Jesus, for you said in your word, if we ask anything in your name, you would do it. So I am asking you in Jesus' name to figuratively speaking, place a crack in the floor of heaven and allow some of the glory of heaven to shine down upon this place. Let your Holy Spirit walk among us tonight. You have already been here through previous words and previous messages, previous songs, but we want you to linger just a little while longer. Let this experience be like none other we have had before. And when we prepare to leave, may we say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. We ask these favors and mercies in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. The Israelites were in a bad situation where they were once free to come and go and do whatever it was they pleased, they now found themselves, according to this passage and according to the record, as prisoners in the land of Babylon. Prophet after prophet had warned them, if you continue worshiping other gods made of stone, in wood, 
If you continue worshiping the heavenly bodies, then I will send the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to deal with you. But they ignored every prophetic warning, and soon the Bible says the Babylonians came. They, they, I, I did some historical reading and, and, and those that could not make the trip, those that were slightly older, the record says they just killed them. The women, they did bad things to them. And some of the, 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 the princes, some of the men, they hung them from trees, tortured them and then proceeded to kill them. And the lucky ones, come on, David, the lucky ones got to walk behind horse or donkey tied from where they were back to the Babylonian lands. And so we have them being taken away as prisoners. Soon they are settled in Babylon. After a full day of working, uh, let's fast forward. They, 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 they're sitting there under the willow tree, looking at the river Chabar, which is separating them from where they came from. And in my imagination, I'm thinking they're beginning to long for what they used to have. I think the reason they began to cry was because they started feeling just a little bit homesick. You ever felt homesick before? You ever went away somewhere and then after, you know, it's cool the first couple of days, but after day three and you wish you had a different kind of food, you, you, you start feeling and reminiscing about the time gone by. I went to Oakwood in 1988. I was 18 years old, hallelujah, 42 now. I can't believe I've lived that long myself, but I was 18 and, and, and I called home this particular Sabbath because I knew they had to be missing me. <laughs> I've just felt the vibe, y'all miss me. That's what I was feeling, so I thought I would do them the privilege of giving them a call so that they could hear from me and know that I was all right. <laughs> I called and they played past the phone. It was as if they were too busy to talk to me. They began telling me all the food that they had at the house. And my mind was on the cafeteria food that I had just partook of. And while it was scrumptious and healthy and all the other positives, so I'm not talking about it negatively, while it was all of that, it was not Lillian Hall's food. And I was listening to them talk about her food. And I was listening to them not missing me. And the strangest thing happened. I had to catch myself. I was sitting there in the hallway of the freshman men dormitory. And something happened to my eyes. <laughs> it had to be allergies. Because I was 18 years old. I was a man. And men can handle things like this. But these things, it was like they were racing down my face, you know. And then uh, one of my boys come in the hallway, and he's like, yo, Dave, man, are you crying? <laughs> I know lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. So I tried my best not to lie. I just didn't respond. I said, crying, crying, crying. What are you talking about, man? It's you. It's you. It's you. And he went on. Hallelujah. I have been homesick before, but that thing.
Thanksgiving, thank you, Jesus. When I went home in November, after three months of toil and labor, I partook once again of the bountiful feast. And all was right with the world. They still remembered my name, most of them. My room, while it had other things in it, that's okay. They at least pushed them to the side until I I, I left. (laughs) After three months, I was able to go home, but the children of Israel, after three months, they were still there. After three years, they were still there. For what seemed like an eternity, they were still there. And this one day, it got the best of them. They just looked over yonder at the river. They began recounting stories of how good they had it. And the Bible says that they took their harps. They hanged King James Version. Their harps in the willows in the midst thereof. They took their instrument of joy and gladness, their way of celebrating their Lord and their God, those that remain true to him. They took, come on, David, they took their instruments and they hanged them in the willow tree, in the weeping willow, if you will. Because inside they had nothing left. Lord, I lift your name on high. No, we can't sing that because we're prisoners. What a friend we have. No, we can't sing that because we're captives in a strange land. They had lost their song. They had lost their motivation. They had lost everything. Have you ever noticed when you're down, you're depressed, you can't take it anymore? That's when the devil shows up. When you're at your weakest point, The Bible says the Babylonian captors came to them. Hey, Jews, (laughs) how y'all doing? Couldn't help but notice the harps hanging in the trees. We know that that's your symbol for joy and gladness and praising your God. Couldn't help but notice it, it, it hanging in the tree. Well, 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 could you just do us a favor anyway? Could you just sing us a song about your God? Sing how great is our God. Sing with me how great. Can you sing a song about your God now? If your God is so powerful, If your God is all of that, why are you our captives? Why are you subservient to us? Why couldn't your God protect you then? Sing a song about your God now. And the children of Israel just sat there. Have you ever had the devil walk up to you in the midst of your depression and say, sing a song about your God now? Have you ever gone to church and been greeted by somebody, happy Sabbath, happy Sabbath, happy Sabbath, but if they only knew what was going on in your head, they wouldn't be saying happy Sabbath to you because it's not a happy Sabbath to you. It is in those moments that the devil comes and says, sing a song about your 
God now. When you sit and you see everybody else singing in church, but just to not look bad, you stand there and move your lips because you can't get any music to come from your soul that's meaningful because the hurt is so deep. You're having family problems. You're having money problems. You're having loneliness issues. You say, God, <laughs> I know that you will supply all my needs, but my friends are all getting married. They have somebody to hug. I hug myself every night, and I'm tired of doing that. I give myself a good night kiss. I'm tired of cooking just for myself. I know I'm married to the church, but sometimes the church is asking more and more and more and more, and I'm feeling burnt out, and it seems, it seems as though your sermon, your, 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 your prayers only reach the ceiling and come down. You've heard it said if you're faithful in your tithe and offering, he'll open up the windows and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And you open your arms real wide and you're still waiting. It is at those moments that the devil steps in and says, sing one of those songs of your God now. And after a while, you get to the point where you say, how can I sing? How can I sing? How can I sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I was born June 26, 1970, 42 years ago. My mother was 13 years old when she became pregnant. She was 14 years old when I made my great entry into the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> my mother lived with her grandparents who were subsequently my great grandparents. My great-grandfather was head elder in the church. He built the church that we attended. That 1953, he was responsible for putting it there in the cornerstone section. We were Adventists of Adventists in something, you know, and, and here I am. So I take it for what it's worth. But as I was a baby and, and I was coming up, there were those that felt that the baby was a mistake. There were those that felt you just get rid of mistakes. Mm -hmm. As the baby, i.e. me, began to grow, people had a lot of wonderfully kind things to say. To me, that's sarcasm. <laughs> About where I came from, these are the church folk that said obviously the birth wasn't of God. And since it wasn't of God, you're not going to turn out to be anything. 
There were those that weren't in the church that used words, not words with friends, <laughs> my favorite game on the phone, <laughs> but they, 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 they used words that, that were, uh, they just used words, let's just say, that you hear frequently on the premium cable channels. And they use those words to describe me. And they would come to me in my face and say, David, you know, a lot of people in your family, they alcoholics, they potheads, they drunks. They quit school after the 10th grade because they could. They didn't turn out to be anything. You ain't gonna be anything either. Just stay in your little hometown. Don't try, because I had a little bit of intelligence and I said, I wanna go to college. <laughs> yeah, right. Anybody in your family ever went? Then you know where you going. You're gonna be right here. I wanna tell people about Jesus. Ha! Who are you going to tell? Jesus not even with you. And you hear this stuff all the time. All, all the reasons why you can't do, you can't do, you can't say a word. Going to your history, going over things that your family members did because of your past, you can't do this. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe even some things you did. You can't do this. And after a while, when enough people start saying things to you, you start to believe it. Maybe I'm not going to be anything. Maybe I can't talk about Jesus. Maybe I need to just give up this dream. And in the midst of that, Lucifer himself shows up. David, sing one of those songs about your God now. You're so confident in talking about him. Talk about him now. You ever have a moment when you just didn't have it? Last year, I was told I needed a heart transplant if I wanted to live. I have an incurable disease of the heart. I asked my doctor what that meant. I said, so does that mean I'm going to die? He said, yes. It's like, thanks, Doc. <laughs> you know how you want him to lie a little bit or just go beat around the bush. Am I going to die? Yes. And then he just moved on like it was nothing. I'm like, I just want to go back to that last point, though. <laughs> can, can you elaborate a little further on this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he went into this 15-year thing, and I figured back then I was 38, 38 plus 15, 53. I'm not trying to, you know, say that's old or anything because I'm 42 now, but I figured 53 was a long way away. So I figured I'm good. I got this. When will the decline happen? Oh, when I enter my 50s? I'm good. I'm still in my 30s, I said. Until last year when they said the disease had accelerated to the point that last year was it. And if unless you get a heart transplant, that's it. And I didn't want to get a heart transplant. So I told him, I don't want to get one. Can I take a pill? <laughs> Somehow I convinced him. <laughs> he gave me the pill. Thank you, God. Six months I took this. Obviously it was a placebo because nothing changed. 
And in July 28th, they didn't ask me if I wanted one. They said, when can we schedule it? Or when can we put you on the list because you have to wait in order to... Uh, I was as down as one could be. And the devil shows up, sing one of those songs about your God now. And can I just be transparent for a few seconds and say that I took my heart I looked for the nearest willow tree. And even though I was still traveling and preaching, I asked the question, how can I sing? It was one thing having the stuff happen, you know, about me growing up. But the Lord helped me overcome that, so I'm doing a little something, something for him, and I'm kind of glad. And just when it starts getting good, it's like I'm going to snatch the carpet from under you. I'm going to be like Lucy and Charlie Brown, you know, just when you think you'll kick that football, move it away again. How can I sing? How can I sing? Got a call. I was doing a revival in Las Vegas, Nevada in the midst of my illness. Got a call one morning and it said, Mr. Hall, we, we, we think we have a solution. You can go to uh, 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 Mayo Clinic. They looked at the digital images of your heart. There is this very rare operation that they can perform. We will need to stop your heart from beating. Cut out a huge chunk of your heart. Put it back in. There is a chance that you could expire. Whoo, like I'm milk. <laughs> and they said, are you willing to take that chance? My wife, yes, he is. <laughs> God bless her. Men, be careful, you know, your wives start speaking for you, <laughs> you know. There's a chance that you could die. Do you want to do that, Mr. Hall? Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> and I'm looking at her like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> she said, I did it for you. Okay. <laughs> December 22, December the 22nd, 2011, eight months ago. Next week, it'll be eight months they did the operation. Obviously, for those of you that are wondering, did he survive? <laughs> I know somebody's on the edge of their seat right now. Did you die? Did you die? Let me cut to the end of that story and tell you, no. I survived the operation. I did not expire. <laughs> But in the months that, pre that followed the operation, they said, David, you're going to go through all kind of stuff psychologically because of the medications that you're taking. Your body is going to stop working. They nicked my vocal cords when they did something in my neck. My voice does not sound anywhere near what it used to sound like. I couldn't move for months. I was trapped in my own house on Sabbath watching the Hope Channel. Nothing wrong with that. I enjoyed watching Pastor Dwight Nelson. He's my guy, okay? But I saw him enough in the 10 years I lived in Michigan. I wanted to be doing it. So I would stand up and pretend that I was preaching until the pain came. And so I sit down five minutes later and I wondered, Lord, how long will I be trapped in this body that doesn't work? How long will it be before I can drive my own car? How long will it be before I can give myself a bath? How long? How long? How long? And the devil showed up. 
And he said, you trusted him for everybody else. You pray for everybody else. You even laid hands on somebody and cast one of my boys out of them. Well, now let's see what you got, Hall. Sing. <laughs> Sing. Sing one of those happy I love Jesus songs now. I did a job up on you. You don't have nothing. I told you when you were little, you weren't going to be nothing. Sing one of those happy, Jesus-loving songs now. And as I had to be re-hospitalized and re-hospitalized because they felt I was about to have a stroke, I would be paralyzed and or die. And I went through the mental torture of all that. I grabbed my harp. But something happened. Children of Israel in this passage asked the question, how can I sing in a strange land? Which is a question that you might ask. You are here so that you can be equipped to talk about what he has done for you in your life. You want to share this gospel with someone. That's why you are here. But there are moments when you get so overwhelmed that you may just forget that. Life has a way of doing that to you. The devil is not just going to sit there and say, oh, you want to tell people about Jesus? Let me get out of your way. <laughs> Please come on down. You're the first contestant in to tell people about Jesus is right. No, baby. The closer you get to the Lord, the more roadblocks he's going to set in your way. But I read somewhere, I am about to close. I read somewhere that it said he inhabits the praise of his people. And, 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 and as I began to think about that, in the midst of my, 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 my depression, because the medication made me depressed too, in addition to my, my circumstance, I began to think about all the stuff that the Lord, I'm coming down, all the stuff that the Lord had done for me. I began recounting everywhere that he brought me from. I remembered how I was hospitalized sharing that 11 times for bronchial asthma. And each time they said, you should have died, but I didn't. I began thinking about all those people who said, you won't, you can't, it will never. And I began remembering everywhere that the Lord brought me to and where he, where he brought me from. I began thinking about the, about the goodness of God. And I said, Pastor Lou, I said I may not be able to see how he's going to get me through this one. But I read in, who, in Psalm 23, it says, Yea, though, yea, though, yea, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which means it has a beginning and it has an ending. Like the text says, it came to pass. So when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear. Why? Because thou art with me. And as long as I got thou with me, hand in hand, arms interlocked, thou and me can walk and talk all up through that valley of the shadow of death. 
And I don't have to worry about anything. And when I began, I am preaching right now. When I began, when I began thinking about all that he had done for me, my question stopped being, how can I sing? Living in a strange land. But the question became, how can I not sing? Living in a strange land. And, 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 and then, in my imagination, I, I, I said in my imagination, I know this ain't real, okay? I know I have read the Bible and Ellen White. I know, but in my imagination, there was a little trouble in hell. They said, oh no, oh no, we're looking at the ball-headed fella. Oh no, I let my hair grow. I love your cut, man, that is so smooth. Man, I was stressed this week, I didn't get to it, man. I gotta get that razor, that is a sharp cut. They said, uh, 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 we having a little trouble with this hall fella, cause I think, I, I think he said with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I see that whole fella, I see him walking, I see him walking to the willow tree. And I, and I can hear him, oh no, oh no, oh no, Lucifer, what should I do? What should I do? He's reaching for it. He's reaching, try to distract him, remind him of his past, you know. Well, he's just reminding me of my future right now. Oh no, oh no, he's gonna get it. He's gonna get it. He's gonna get it. And they saw, they saw me grab that heart. And in the midst of, oh, hell and high water, began playing that instrument of joy and gladness, singing songs like, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. They saw me pull it down and saying, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, even though I can't see the end of it, I know who holds my future. I know that weeping may endure for a night, but joy, 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 joy comes in the morning. I don't have to fear. And I grab my harp. And I'd like to say as soon as I picked it up, Everything just got all better, but it didn't. But something happened inside of me. The circumstance didn't change, but something happened inside of me. And I began to see how in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. I began to see that when you put your trust in God in the midst of the most difficult circumstance, you don't know just how deep your faith is. Have you ever asked the Lord, have you ever said to him, Lord, I want you to increase my faith. Be careful what you ask for, baby. Be careful what you ask for. The Lord has taken me places that I never even knew possible. But I tell you what, I wouldn't have it any other way. God sent me here to tell you something tonight. Don't hang up your heart. I don't care what illness may strike you. Don't hang up your heart. 
I don't care what financial obligations may overwhelm you. Don't hang up your harp. I don't, I don't know what familial problems may get the best of you. I, I heard the testimony uh, just a few moments ago. Don't hang up your harp. The church may not reach out with open arms and welcome you in even. Don't hang up your harp. Don't let the devil win. I'm the kind of person, you ready to sing, and I'm ready for you to sing. I'm tired. I got a bad heart. You saw that jumping I was doing up here? I don't know what was wrong with me. I'm tired now. <laughs> I'm the kind of, <laughs> that's true too. I'm the kind of person whenever, this is my last one, whenever I get, I go to like Barnes and Nobles, okay? I pick up a book, book, it's a good one too. Pick up a book and I, I some people like to read the front, nah. I don't want to read the front, because that means you got to read all the rest of it. <laughs> I go to the back of the book, because when I used to do math problems in school, that's where the answers were, <laughs> in the back of the book. <laughs> and so, because I want to know the answer, especially in this book, I went to the back of the book, and I began reading, <laughs> I began reading to see how things were going to turn out in this book. I wanted to understand it just a little bit better. And after reading it, I came across this part that said that at the voice of Jesus, the dead in Christ. I lost Lillian Hall 16 years ago, my great-grandmother. She was my world because she kept me. She raised me from a baby. When nobody else wanted me, she did. And when she died, I was devastated. But on that day, I believe, I believe, just play something softly for me. Keep on playing. I, I, I'd appreciate it. I believe on that day in Cedar Hill Cemetery, by a, a, a grave that says March 2nd, 1910, dash June 1, 1996. I, I, I believe that when the dead in Christ rise at the voice of Jesus, she gonna rise too. That's what I believe. But this is it, this is it. I got one strange request of Jesus. I said, Jesus, wherever I am, if I'm a dead in Christ somewhere else, or if I'm buried in New Jersey, can you just take me there to the Cedar Hill Cemetery? Because when she caught up in the air, I just want to hold her hand until I made it. I know it was shaky there for a while, and you wondered, but the old boy, he actually told people about Jesus. He defied, he was against all odds. But with Jesus, whoo, all things are possible. Amen. And I want her to, I just want her, I just want to hold her hand as we go on that journey to heaven. Uh, because I read in the back of the book, that's how the story ends. I want you tonight, that's what I want you to do. Tell you this and I'm done. I want you to make up in your mind that you will not hang up your harp for anything. You have an assignment to do. You have an assignment to do. And the devil's assignment is to keep you from doing it. His job is to make you hang up your harp. But God sent me here to tell you his assignment. It can be found in Matthew. The last three verses in the book of Matthew. He says, go and tell somebody about me. 
And if you ever wonder where I am, well, lo, I'm with you always. Wherever you go, there is nowhere you can go that I'm not there. I know because I was in the depths of despair. And, and you believe it, he was there too? Don't hang up your heart. This weekend, you're going to hear some things that will strengthen your tools, that will inspire and encourage you. But you ever notice when you come to things like this, it lasts for a day, a week, a couple of weeks, and then it's all gone. I don't want it to be all gone. I don't want you to let life cause you to hang up something. I want this thing to continue because I'm ready to go home. I'm tired of this body where my chest still hurt. I can't turn my head from side to side. I take 17 pills in the morning, 11 pills at night just to be pain-free and to keep me alive. I'm tired of this. I want to go home and be with my Jesus. And God told me that you are the people because I can't do everything. You're the ones that's going to make it happen. Don't hang up your heart. I know what will happen if you do. Don't do it. And if you don't, if you don't hang up your heart, I read the end of the story, and I know what's going to happen for you. I know what God is going to do for you. But if you had good news, when Connie said yes, because I proposed to her, April 27, 1991, it was a Saturday night, 9.36 p.m., in the parking lot of Walmart in Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> 35806. When I, when I, when I, I proposed and, and my girl said yes, I got back on campus. I woke up the dormitory up in there. I told cats that I didn't even know. She said yes. About what? You don't need to know. Just know she said, yeah, baby, what? Be happy for a brother. That is the best news ever. It carried me until she said the ultimate yes would I do. And we've been yesing and I doing for almost 20 years. I was so eager to share that news. I ought to be eager. You ought to be eager. We ought to be eager to share the other news that he said yes, that he's welcoming us into his family. And I don't want you to just uh, keep your harp to yourself, but play it too. Use that harp to bring as many people into a walking relationship with Jesus as you can. That's your assignment. That's what I need you to do. And when you do that, guess what? Me and you, we're going to walk hand in hand, arms interlocked, right through those pearly gates. That's the rest of the story for when you don't hang up your heart. The battle cry has been shouted. The time is yours. What are you going to do? Let's pray, Father, in the name that is above every other name. We give you praise. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. Before anything else was created, you alone are God. Now, we recognize that in fighting a war, sometimes our enemy may not fight fair. He throws pitches. He, he, he throws a lot of curveballs and sliders, but, but he throws spitballs. He uses steroids, and he gets away with it. But, Lord, 
We need you to be our designated hitter. We need you to step up to the plate for us tonight. And we need you to knock that ball right out of this ballpark. We need you to be real for us right now. And when you do that, we're not hanging up any harps. We're going to be like David, what he wrote in Psalm 34, verse 1, where it says from the Living Bible, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and his grace. Lord, I, I, I grab my heart, but I'm looking at what you're doing through me now. And when the devil had told me with my scratchy voice I wouldn't preach again and my body wouldn't let me preach again, you showed me he was wrong. The Bible says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. So as long as I have breath, I'm going to keep preaching and giving it all to you. And I thank you for giving me the privilege of doing that. Now, Lord, they're not hanging up their harps. Can you do something spectacular for them too? At the end of this weekend, I want everybody under the sound of my scratchy voice. I want all of them, Jesus, all of them to make an impact for heaven and to leave their mark in hell because they pulled somebody else away. I want this group of people to be different from any in times past because they have determined not to give up. They're going to sound that battle cry for the rest of their lives. And then when time ends and eternity is set to begin, when we see a cloud about the size of a man's hand, they tell me, when we hear coming from this cloud the most beautiful, majestic music, when we hear over and over, holy, 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 Lord, God, almighty, when we look up and we see Jesus, it is my prayer that no one under the sound of my voice will call for the rocks to fall on them or the hills to cover them. But I pray, whoo, because we didn't hang up our harps, that all of us collectively, no weak link, no one fallen by the wayside, will be able to look up with assurance and say with Isaiah, look, this is our God. We have waited on him. We didn't hang up our harps. And he will save us. Make it so just because you're so kind. We love you, Lord. And we commit all our plans and we commit and recommit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.